Okay, uh, we're going to continue with our sermon series. It's going to be a little shorter sermon uh, today, uh, probably. Um, that's the aim anyway. But we're continuing with this series. I'm super fired up about our message today. Um, this is a, rooted in our series about the character of the King, King Jesus. And so far we have learned from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. I'll read it. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is a prophecy in the middle of a terribly gloom and dark time in the history of Israel. But the messenger, Isaiah, had good news. That's what the gospel means. It means there's good news of a new king. A new king is coming because these Israelite kings are bad and they have led the nation of Israel to dark places. But there's a new king that's going to come and he's going to change everything for us. And the reason is because of his character, his heart, who he is as king and therefore what his kingdom will be like. Um, so we've spent the last three weeks, this two weeks this week, and then next week on um, who this king is described here in Isaiah 9, verse 6. We first talked about uh, Jesus as king, as wonderful counselor, that King Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. He wonderfully counsels us, not only with answers, but with deep companionship. Amen? That last week we talked about the, this king being a mighty God king. A warrior king. King Jesus is our warrior king who shatters all yokes of oppression and sets us free to not only join him in this great fight, but to join him in ultimate and eternal victory. Today we're going to discuss Jesus, this king, as everlasting father. A lot of times we don't think of Jesus as father. We think of Father God as father. But Jesus is everlasting Father. And this everlasting Father is not only wonderful counseling, mighty warrior, God King, Jesus, not an aloof and distant authoritarian ruler from on high, but a perfect Father who deeply, whose deeply loving heart for his children never changes, but is everlasting to infinity and beyond and therefore brings great joy to the world. That's what we're going to discuss today. Jesus is everlasting Father. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture that reveal Jesus' fatherly heart. And then we're going to talk about the characteristics of Jesus as our Father and how they can bring joy into our life. Okay, at this point, so turn over to Mark chapter 10. At this point, I'm going to insert a little modern psychology into the discussion. We love modern psychology, don't we? Yet, we love the Word of God even more, and especially when psychology fits in with the Word of God, which actually usually, it, well, anyways, not going to get into that. 
But modern psychology has illuminated to us that there's four main styles of fatherhood. Four main styles of fatherhood. You've probably heard some of these before. Who would have a guess as to one of these styles of parenting or especially fatherhood? Authoritative. Yes, that's one. Another? Fun. That's Travis's main style of fatherhood, which is awesome. Okay? Authoritarian. So we have authoritative and authoritarian. Uh, loving. Okay, that's, yep. Not, the psychologists don't include that, but it's true. Okay, what else can we think of? So one is, another is permissive, permissive style. And the last is an absent style of fathering, okay? Now, gifts of, gifts of these which produce, according to research, the best kids. Well, you have uh, uh, last is authoritarian. So authoritarian means the dad who just sits back in his king chair and bosses kids around, do this, do that, do it now, because I said so, I'm the father and you're the kid, and that's just the way it is, and very uh, authoritarian, okay? Now, what's the difference between that and authoritative? Well, the difference, authoritative, takes strong authority, but his heart is filled with love and patience and warmth and kindness. So there's a culture of firm boundaries, um, firm expectations, and yet laughter and joy and warmth and kindness and affection. Amen? That's authoritative. That's the number one, the top best result producing, if you will, of fathering style. Uh, the second is permissive. Uh, someone who just, just kind of lets whatever, whatever kids want to do, go ahead and let them do. That's the second best. Interesting, huh? You'd think that would be the worst. The, the worst, the third best is absent. The fourth is authoritarian. So the, so the best is authoritative. The worst is authoritarian. It's better for you not even to be around, dads. If you're going to be big king boss on high, just bossing everyone around. Interesting, huh? There's kind of a fine line, if you've tried this, between authoritative and authoritarian. Uh, but in uh, those of you who maybe who have an absent father, uh, maybe they've never been around or are just checked out, before you get too far down the road, know that there's a lot of worst fathers than yours, uh, who is authoritarian. Interesting, huh? Um, so let's keep this in mind. This isn't really a parenting class. Let's keep this in mind as we listen to what kind of father King Jesus is. Amen? Because he's the same father today to us. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. There's many uh, times that Jesus reveals his father's heart, uh, but there's three especially that we're going to look at. We're going to look at when Jesus gathers the little children and blesses them in Mark 10. We're going to listen to uh, Matthew 23 uh, as Jesus um, 
describes himself as a hen who gathers to long his chicks together, the Israelites, and then we look at the story of the prodigal son. But Mark chapter 10, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. You could just see Jesus, can't you, like at the potluck breakfast. Okay, and he's there, and for some reason, the children are drawn to him. Now, what do you think is in it about King Jesus that the children like this guy. Maybe it's why all of my daughter's friends love me. It's because of my amazingly funny jokes. They've actually told her, your dad is so funny. Haven't they? Can I get a witness? It's true, admit it. But the reason they said I'm funny is not because my jokes were funny, but because they're not funny. I saw some kind of a commercial or something about bad jokes. And said, why are these jokes funny? Because they're dad jokes. And they're not funny because they're funny. They're funny because dad's funny. Or dad, just because of dad. Because dad told them. Okay, get your story straight. Anyway, so Jesus is, the kids are, but the, but the apostles are like, no, go away, kids. Also. And Jesus gets upset. He gets indignant. He's like, hey, no, 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 you guys go away, okay? I want the kids to come to me. And he gathers them in his arms, and they, they got to be laughter, maybe tickling and little noogies or, you know, I don't know. But, but there's joy and there's warmth and there's love and there's affection and there's hugs and there's probably kisses and there's blessing. Isn't that awesome? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 23. This is, again, mighty warrior king, Jesus, but this is his heart as a father. Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus, if you read this in context, Jesus just gets done with some of the most scathing rebukes in his ministry. And if this isn't the Jesus that you know, I would encourage you to read the Bible because that's the Jesus in the Bible. He's just hard line on these, and they're not to the sinful. They're not, it's, it's not to the weak and the struggling. It's to the religious leaders. That's who he's most upset about because they're hypocrites, and they're into themselves, and he's not happy about it. But then in verse 37, he reveals really the heart behind this indignation. It's the heart of the loving king father. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How ought, And before we get to like, oh, I would never kill a prophet or stone someone sent to me. How do we really treat the word of God? That's how we're treating uh, the prophets and those sent to us. How often I have longed to gather 
your children. Excuse me, long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you'll not see me again unless you, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, like, I just long, I just long to gather the children of Israel, the people of Israel, my children. I just want to be together. I want you with me so I can protect you, so I can provide for you, so I can keep you from safe and from harm. But you're not willing to come to me. And so you're left to your own devices. Let's look over in Luke chapter 15. Very famous story of the, the prodigal son. I thought about trying to pare this down because of short amount of time, but I just felt like, you know, we need to let's read the whole thing. This is an incredible story that reveals the heart of Jesus as everlasting Father. I want us to listen for the heart of the Father. Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. It's always those younger sons, isn't it? Older brothers, older siblings. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a potluck. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him safe, back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. 
He was lost and is found. The heart of the Father revealed. The heart of the King. Mighty warrior, wonderful counselor, King, but everlasting Father. His heart comes out with his prodigal, his prodigal son. Such deep compassion, longing to be close, longing to celebrate and, and joy, and yet the heart of the older son, I've been slaving all these years for you. Clearly, this is representative of the Gentiles and the Israelites, but also those who just struggle with sin and struggle to be with shame and distant from God, and yet his fathering heart. These passages reveal the heart of the everlasting Father King in a few ways. I want to enumerate these quickly. The everlasting Father King, and therefore His everlasting kingdom, number one, longs to be close to His children. When Jesus tried to gather the children, He was indignant about pushing them away. The hen longed to gather the prodigal son, probably broke the father's heart, but every day He watched. Every day He prayed. He longed to see Him again, and when He did see Him, He sprinted toward him to cover his shame and help him feel the forgiveness. You know, many of us have felt the pain of a father that we didn't necessarily feel this from. We felt maybe the absence of a father, a father that didn't really long to be close to us. And sometimes this is some of our deepest uh, troubles, this deepest wounds in life. But could this pain reveal a design of intimacy written into us by our deepest and eternal Father, God, in Jesus. Let's come to Jesus. You know, there's a, a, a good song. I don't think it's even a country song, but it's still good. Cats in the Cradle, right? And the Silver Spoon. We've all heard it. When you come in home, uh, son, I don't know the rest of it. I'll come home soon. No, I'm too busy, actually. That's the point. And uh, um, let's not let distractions keep us from coming close to the Father. The Father longs to be close to you. Amen? The Father's heart longs to be intimate, longs to be one with you. How close are you to God? Jesus longs to be close to his children. Secondly, Jesus as king is abundantly affectionate abundantly affection. He gathered the children in his arms. He wanted to gather them under his wings. With the son came home, he, it says he embraced him. He kissed him. Every one of these, the father is not a cool, distant, armchair father, right? He's, he's come here, boy, come here, little girl. Hugs and kisses and gathering and affection and wrestling around. And one of my favorite scenes from The Lion King I probably had to be here last week to get that. But it's when Mufasa and Simba, you know, Simba's in trouble. Mufasa, you know, acts as a good father, disciplines him. But then it's, it's over, and what do they do? They wrestle around, and they laugh. That's the heart of Jesus, I think. That's the heart of God, full of affection for his dear, dearly loved children. <clears throat> Affection communicates love, delight, but more than just love, delight in you, pride in you, pleasure in you. There's not, there's not a little boy or 
little boy and an older man who doesn't want this from their dad. Proud of you, son. Are you with me there? I'm proud of you. Come here. Um, there's no, there's that kind of affection communicates so much. You know, it's important to note that the prodigal son, with the prodigal son, the father's affection was not dependent on the son's performance, was it? Not dependent on how the son was doing in his career or his spiritual life or what he had done with the inheritance and how he had made it grow. Are you with me there? What was the father's affection dependent on in the son? Nothing. It was simply dependent on the son had come home. It was all about who the father was. And because he's eter everlasting, he doesn't change. Do you ever feel like, oh, if I do good spiritually, God is more proud of me? If I do extra good deeds... That all, all that reveals is there's a conditionality, there's a dependence of earning God's approval that doesn't come from God, it comes from us. You know, when we lack this affection from maybe a physical father, a message can be internalized that maybe we're not very lovable, that we're unworthy of a father's pride, and we're just a disappointment. We need to, that message can keep us from our father God. It can keep us from God feeling, God can feel the same way. That's not true. Come to King Jesus, your everlasting Father. Amen? Jesus is deeply affectionate with you. Number three, a deep desire to bless. The Father has a deep desire to bless the children. You know, I'm going to tell a little story um, about a blessing that my dad gave me. Say maybe some of you can relate to this. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I was very short. I was one of the shortest kids in my class. I was super-duper skinny, and so I got picked on a lot, okay? And it, I internalized a message that I'm kind of a, just kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to say loser, but just, I was just kind of a wimpy. Are you with me there? Well, I don't know, I mean, you may not be with me. I, uh, I was with me. <laughs> Down on myself, and I was about a, maybe a ninth grader or 10th grader, somewhere in there. And my dad actually was going through a lot himself. And we were not very close at this time. But uh, um, I remember like it was yesterday, he took me out to eat in Plainview uh, at Clate's Supper Club. I still remember... The fact that I remember this so clearly speaks to the power of a blessing from a father. But uh, he said, he, he took me out to eat, and he said, son, how's it going? I said, oh, that's fine. Typical teenager, right? What do they say? Fine. Good. All right. And then he said, now, he wasn't a disciple, and I wasn't a disciple. So this question is a little worldly, but... I want you to kind of look past that and get the point. He said, son, how's it going with the ladies? Now it starts to sound like a country song. Okay. And uh, I, I said, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, 
And the, the truth is, uh, I was scared to death of girls. Uh, but I longed for affection, but I didn't talk to girls much. I, you know, we were, I, I just, they were, wow, you know. I don't know if I want to go there. But, but he said, son, I want to tell you something. He said, in this context, he said, you got what it takes. I said, no, I don't. He said, son. And he went on to list the reasons, which I'll spare you. <laughs> but he went on to list the reasons. And even though I disagreed with him in all my insecurity and discouragement, and I didn't think he was telling the truth, I did think that at least my dad thought that I had what it took. And you know what I did? Based on his thoughts alone, he said, now, nah, I, I wouldn't encourage this advice necessarily, but he said, son, I want you to think of the prettiest girls in your class, and I want you to think about how you can start to date them. I was like, this is just weird, Dad. <laughs> but uh, uh, guess what I did? I thought of one, and I went up to her a couple weeks later, and I asked her out on a date. Can you believe that? This is back when kids... I don't know if they even did it much back then, but, and she was like, no. <laughs> like, why? But guess what she said a year later? She said, yes. And we dated for three years. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> now, the point of that, teenagers, is not to just go ask girls on dates, uh, unless they're disciples, and you know, okay, that's a dating class. Get into that later. The point is this. What is the point again? No, the point is this. <laughs> that you have an everlasting Father who longs to bless you. And this blessing is just isn't food that you eat. He longs to communicate into your heart the exact message that you need to hear. Amen? Some of us, we feel down on ourselves, And like, I'm no good. I'm a loser. And you need to hear from your father. Yes, you are. You got what it takes, son, daughter. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're intelligent. You can do this. Some of us, oh, I'm too weak. I can't do this career. I can't go to this class. Finals this week. I can't pass that final. Yes, you can. You can do it. You're smart. Okay, this isn't just a self-help message. This is a deep soul message that the Bible can communicate to us. Amen? And the people around us, parents, we need to be giving our kids these types of blessings, communicating to them what their soul... This is Jesus. What did he say to those kids? What did he say to those kids? I don't, we don't know exactly. But I, it, was, it had to be an overflow of love acceptance. I like you. You're awesome. You can do it. Amen? Um, everlasting Father King Jesus has words for you this morning. I don't even know what you need to hear, but he knows, and he's longing to, to give them to you. Don't let your discouragement keep you from this blessing. You know, I've got three more points, but we just need to end. Let that be a blessing to you. <laughs> Just long to bless you. Uh, 
The Father loves to gather the family and celebrate. That's point number four. He loves to gather the family and wants to throw a big celebration. That's what church should be every week, a gathering of the family, celebrating our Father. He's constantly protecting and providing. Bart Simpson said, Dear God, we paid for all this food, uh, so we, get, we give you thanks for nothing. Bart didn't have it on straight. Bart Simpson was wrong. Just because we pay for something doesn't mean that we've earned it. God is constantly protecting and providing. And lastly, he expects obedience. He expects obedience. That is a good father. Do what I say. Why? Because I said it. I'm the father. You're the child. Now, it's not an authoritarian because it's filled with love and warmth and laughter. But he is a king, and he gives commands. And if you want your entryway to joy, then you'll obey the king. Amen? Okay, let's uh, remember Jesus as we take communion. If you're visiting with us, you're welcome to take communion with us. We believe communion is just a time of remembering, a time of memorializing our king. Amen? A king who lives today. Our everlasting father, come home for the holidays this year. Amen? Come home. Come to Jesus. Deeply internalize the fatherhood of God to receive deep joy. Let's obey together from a soft heart, this king who out of deep longing to be close, a deep desire to bless, and a deep desire to protect and provide for his people, he laid down his life. The king laid down his life for us with the hope that someday in him, we would be able to gather and celebrate, <clears throat> excuse me, celebrate as his people. Not just today, that's what we do as to take communion. Not just today, though, but for eternity.